It's an iconic structure for Sheffield. You know, it overlooks the whole of the city centre. There, there are many places you can avoid it. With it being Europe's largest listed building, it is absolutely vital that um, we complete the regeneration of Park Hill and we leave a, you know, a really exciting, lasting legacy for Park Hill for the people of Sheffield to enjoy. Hello, I'm James Marriott and welcome to the Unlimited podcast, connecting business across the Sheffield city region. Every month we bring you exclusive interviews and get under the surface of the stories you read about in the Unlimited magazine. Today we're talking about the changing face of an iconic building in Sheffield, Park Hill Flats. As ever, I am joined by Unlimited's editor, Richard Fiddler. Um, Streets in the Sky, an iconic building, um, once upon a time looked like it was going to be good for nothing other than basically being demolished, now truly brought back to, to life. And, and it's, it's dead important for Sheffield, isn't it? It is. I mean, if you're coming into Sheffield down the parkway, this is the first thing that you see uh, coming in and it's, it's a lot more vibrant and colourful now. And I think you, you, you can't just keep knocking things down all the time and, 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 and building new. There are some iconic structures and there's also things that deserve a second chance. It, it also reminds me of um, the Kelvin Flats in Upperthorpe, which were almost identical to Park Hill that did get destroyed and demolished, uh, raised to the ground. And Park Hill's gone the other way. Like you say, you used to look at them thinking they're just going to get a wrecking ball put through them at some point. Uh, and now they, they, they look um, they look great. I mean, it, it, I suppose it depends on your taste of architecture. To me, I think they look fantastic compared to how they used to look. And it is really, really important that, that Sheffield's maintained a little bit of its history and, and has kind of used it for a very, very positive purpose. Yeah, I should mention that, the, I mean, the architecture goes all the way back to the early 60s. Jack Lynn and Ivor Smith, who were the original architects uh, who uh, who came up with it. We're going to be speaking to Greg, who's played a massive role in the regeneration of um, Park Hill and kind of feels quite, quite timely talking about regeneration and this sort of positive feel about an iconic building because right across the, the, the Sheffield City region at the moment, we're seeing you know lockdown easing that bit more and there, there is a real I, I get the sense there's a real optimistic feel and, and and lots of positivity about the place at the moment definitely I, th- I think um there is that definite feel that uh, people are coming back into work people are sort of drinking outside and, and very soon will be uh, able to have indoor hospitality the one chunk that that's missing particularly in the area of the city that i work in is, is the student population and and I think the vibrancy that, that uh, they bring is is still missed. And I think when they are able to come back, hopefully in September, I think it will feel like a massive influx of people back into our, our city. But there's no doubt that there's a, there's a lot of vibrancy about. And I mean, you don't have to go back out on the roads to see um, see the traffic jams, and um, it, which is quite annoying, if I'm honest. Uh, but um, it's in other ways, it's good to see that... Um, Business is beginning to return to some semblance of normality. Now, it's not it's not to say that the 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 old ways, if we can call them that, of the last like fourteen months are over. There's still a great opportunity to be flexible with with your working. And I think um, what I'm finding is that it, it is really really helpful 
that uh, people have had the experience of being able to work from home because it just gives a better work-life balance. And that, that's no longer a kind of a phrase. It is actually a reality now that that work-life balance is, is actually happening. Thanks, Rich. As ever, later on, Dan Lever will be here with Johnny Briggs from the Sheffield Digital Festival. The Unlimited podcast is produced and edited by Sound Media. Visit wearesoundmedia.com and it's hosted by Captivate.fm, the easiest way to create and distribute your podcast. If you would like to find out more about how a podcast might help your business, then drop me a line, james at unlimitedbusiness.com. Now, let's talk about the streets in the sky reborn. Hello there, I'm Greg Ball. I'm Senior Development Manager for Urban Splash, and I'm taking forward the regeneration of uh, Park Hill. Real. Greg, thank you for joining us. Now, for years and years, we've seen kind of work that's been going on at, at Park Hill as it's kind of slowly been transformed. So, um, very general kind of question to start, but tell me what it is that you've been doing there. So, I've been taking forward the regeneration for Park Hill. So, we're currently on site at the moment with one of the phases at, at Park Hill. So, we're, we're delivering... Um, 195 new homes and about 20,000 square feet of uh, new commercial workspace and restaurant and, and, and bars. And uh, we're currently on site at the moment. So uh, we've been driving forward with the uh, construction program um, and also uh, working on uh, developing the uh, sort of delivery strategies for the remaining two phases that would then see uh see the project through to completion i i'm a sheffield lad and i think it's it's fair to say that park hill is a truly iconic building but before the regeneration work started i think it's also fair to say that it had become a bit of a mess how did you approach this this project because you've got two very different sides to an equation there a building that is held in really high esteem by um sheffield as a whole but also it become really run down yeah absolutely i think the most important thing uh in relation to park hill and the reason why uh, we are successfully regenerating park hill is because of its links to uh history and heritage so Park Hill was built around 60 years ago. We're just approaching the 60th anniversary uh, of the completion of uh, Park Hill Flats. At the time, around a 1,000 social housing homes were developed as part of a, a slum cl- clearance. And it was a hugely ambitious housing project, particularly uh, for, for its era. But it opened uh, in the early 60s to, to great success. It was all very much predicated around building a strong community. Uh, It became um, a very attractive place to live. It was sort of self-sustaining in terms of the amount of uh, retail and leisure and, you know, education. This is a school for for children that was developed at Park Hill. However, certainly as the city started to suffer in terms of decline due to the steel industry sort of 1980s it, it, it Park Hill's reputation had started to become tainted uh, tainted by poverty tainted by crime and tainted by antisocial behavior but certainly the fundamentals of the scheme and I think uh, the longer I've been working on this project and you get under the skin 
of the scheme. You, you actually appreciate the fundamentals of the original design were, you know, were really, really impressive. So, you know, the, the original design was very cleverly uh, designed. Um, the topography of the site uh, is very, very steep. Um, but despite this, the architect maintained a level roof level and buildings towards the bottom of the, the hillside of, of sort of 14 storeys and, and the buildings at the top of the hillside are, are, are four storeys. But notwithstanding that, they integrated these streets in the sky. So the buildings were characterised by these streets in the skies, which were kind of open deck walkways. So you could walk at the bottom of the site all the way to the top of the site and maintain one level. And they were three metre wide sort of communal walkways. And it, they encouraged a lot of sort of social interaction without the kind of menace of uh, vehicle traffic and children played on, on the open decks and, um, you know, the, it created a real sort of community feel. Similarly, you know, other kind of characterizations of the original design, so the flanks all crank in a certain direction to maximise natural sunlight, all the homes are duplexes, all the homes have uh, dual aspects, so they have views on two sides of the buildings. There's a huge amount of landscaping and open public realm again to to encourage social interaction and that kind of that feel for local community so all of these aspects have provided the kind of the the base and the ingredients for ourselves as developers to kind of leverage that original design and 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 you know that all that that original design the ethos of that design has always stayed at the forefront of our minds. We've not tried to change any of that. We've tried to reintroduce uh, a strong sense of local community. And um, I think it's becoming a, a success, primarily because of, of the original design of, of, of the building. I mean, it's a, it's a brutalist icon. But actually, as I say, the more you get under the skin of the design of the building, the more impressive it actually is. And you can really understand why it became... Uh, listed in, in the late 1990s. Greg, it's, I mean, it's brilliant hearing you you kind of talk about some of that stuff and, and, and so many kind of images in my mind of kind of, you know, the building in its in its original guise um, and, and how it was kind of used by um, by by people. I, I, I remember, I find this so fascinating because I remember there was a point uh, long before the regeneration work started, I remember looking at, at Park Hill and just thinking, surely the only thing that can be done with that building now is is just to knock it down because you know it was it was grey and it was drab and and it just looked lifeless. And it's been really fascinating seeing over the last few years how that's changed almost quite literally in terms of it being a very gray very drab building and then literally that like the, the the splashes of color that have been introduced as the as the project started to unfold and and it's it's remarkable sort of seeing that building come back to life bit by bit you know month after month just a little bit more's been added that that's just made it feel like something different and something new and something exciting which has been fascinating but of course it's a long way from being finished as well you, you mentioned earlier about the the stages of the project that, that are still to be completed so so tell us a little bit more about what else we can expect at, at park hill we completed the first phase sort of four or five years ago 
which delivered about 260 homes and about 30,000 square feet. And, and that was, it was more of a kind of interventionist design. So we, we kept the original concrete structure, which is the listed elements of the scheme. Uh, but then we integrated a, a lot of colour to, to, to the elevation. So we got these kind of coloured panels, which are highly visible uh, as you look up at Park Hill from the rest of, of Sheffield. Um, we're currently on site with phase two at the moment. So working with a Sterling Prize winning architect called Mikhail Riches. Uh, we've been really impressed with them. Uh, the design is is based on kind of retaining more of the original features. So again, we're retaining the original concrete frame, but we're also retaining all of the brickwork as well. And, you know, we've grit blasted the brickwork and we, we, we are retaining all of that uh, brickwork. And um, the reason being uh, we're taking more of that kind of retentionist uh, approach is because we want to celebrate the history and heritage of the building as much as we possibly can, first and foremost. But also, secondly, from a sort of sustainability point of view, we are now recycling the concrete frame. We're recycling all of the brickwork uh, into a new scheme. And, you know, the, the kind of uh, the amount of embodied carbon that that saves is, you know, really important to us. Um, so that's another reason why we've sort of taken this more of a kind of retentionist uh, approach to the design of stage two. And we're currently on site with stage um, with phase two uh, at the moment. Phase three, we actually um, partnered with a company called Alumno, who are a specialist student residential developer. Um, and um, phase three actually completed in October last year to deliver over 350 student beds. Um, so that was really good news. And uh, when phase two completes, we kind of accelerate from creating a community of 700 people living and working in phase one to a community of about 1,500 people living and working in phases one, two, and three. And very much then that the spine of the scheme is, is completed. Um, we, we are now st starting to look forward to delivering the, 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 the next phase after that, which is phase four. Um, we've worked up a design. We've got uh, planning approval and we want to start on site as soon as we can to deliver uh, more homes, which are vitally important um, to deliver in, in, in Sheffield, but also to, to uh, deliver a new cultural hub for S1 Artspace. So we, we've partnered with S1 Artspace, we've been working with them for a number of years now. They, they occupy space at Park Hill at present and they want to expand into about 26,000 square feet uh, to provide uh, a new art gallery, new artist studios, new workspace for the, uh, creative uh, industries. And certainly the, the new build gallery could become a real destination um, and really celebrate, you know, art and, and culture and heritage and, you know, could be a kind of vital cog in the wheel, the, the visitor economy wheel for, for, for Sheffield and would, you know, we're kind of forecasting could attract up to 80,000 people per annum. It's really exciting to potentially bring this next phase forward and, and then we'll move on to the last phase, which is 
phase five and we're, we're also starting to look at that now as well that would as, as i say would see the completion of of um, of park hill as a whole brilliant sounds fantastic now the the kind of the the concept of having residential and businesses together in a development is certainly not uncommon now i think just about every kind of apartment block that is that is built kind of has that that combination of um of 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 both but Park Hill feels kind of unique in terms of that makeup of of exactly who do does live there. You mentioned there about um, students, and, and and there's other things that make it kind of unique. And I've, I have got a friend that lives at, at Park Hill who's become very active in the the residence group that they've got there. He's got really into that, and and that also kind of feels a little bit different. Like I, I wouldn't imagine to live in an apartment block in a city centre and for there to be like a, a an active residence group there. So there are elements that kind of make this quite unique in terms of the people that are actually living in that complex, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just just in terms of the kind of demographic of people that now live and work in Park Hill, there's a, a real diverse range. So from, again, the, the onset of, of the scheme, we've deliberately tried to, you know, create a local community. And by creating a local community, attracting a, a complete cross-section of society in different demographics. So, um, you know... We're talking, in terms of sales on phase two now, we're talking to older couples that are kind of downsizing. Uh, We're talking to uh, younger couples who are north shoring up from London and, you know, moving to different um, parts of the country in different regions and attracted to Sheffield. And um, so, you know, we've got kind of young and old. Within phase one, we uh, delivered... Uh, about 40% uh, affordable housing. So we've got uh, social tenants in there. An investor bought 35 units, so they're available to on the open market rental side of things. And then there were also open market sales. So a complete mix of tenures uh, in phase one. So that's that's been great in terms of attracting different types of people. And, and that creates for a really vibrant uh, community. And uh, I think the integ- in integration of students uh, into that as well just uh, adds another dimension and another level of vibrancy and, um, you know, will we'll also attract, you know, kind of active uh, retail and leisure uh, opportunities and operators as well for the, for the lower floors because that is really, really important you know, it, it's vital that we do attract the and, and curate the kind of operators that we want to uh, actually occupy the ground floors because we don't want... What we're trying to do is just trying to cre- um, create Park Hill's own identity. And by doing that, we're, we're trying to avoid, you know, kind of lettings or sales to national brands. We're trying to concentrate on, on local-based uh, independent companies as well so park hill becomes its own uh, creates its own identity now i mean greg we've been talking for for more than 10 minutes now so i feel we know each other well enough and we'll be able to say i love you will you marry me um 
not an actual proposal, but I want to talk a little bit about graffiti because, of course, when people think about Park Hill, we think about the iconic bit of, of, of graffiti that was on um, one of the bridges. Now, I was one of quite a few people that were kind of giving you guys a, a bit of pelters a while ago on social media because, of course, it vanished. Um, there's way more to it than that. What's, what's the story here? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, I was going to accept your proposal, but if uh, if you don't mind, I'm already married. We'll, we'll talk but, about uh, that afterwards. It's fine. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that afterwards. There is a story behind it. Yes, we we I mean we've we've had to carry out essential concrete repair works to the bridges um, because they're becoming un, unsafe. So you know, quite frankly, p- parts of concrete you know could could fall off off the bridges so we we've had to carry out important concrete repair works and as part of that process um, the graffiti has been removed and when we've completed the concrete repair works we've had to coat uh, the bridge in a kind of anti-carbonization paint essentially that protects the concrete and the bridge for the long term uh, and that's the reason why we we had to to unfortunately remove the graffiti but it's always been our intention to replace the graffiti and and reinstall it in exactly the same style in in exactly the same location and we've taken lots of photographic evidence of you know exactly where that is and uh, and also celebrate um, the graffiti by overlaying it with um, uh, with a neon light so that that is our proposal and and that will be done prior to completion of um, this current phase of of works that's good to hear because it, it is uh, it, it is so iconic, isn't it? And um, I think it's great that that will be um, that will be making a, a return. I mean, just as a very kind of general point here, as a whole, this kind of scheme, how important do you think it is for for, for Sheffield and for the kind of the wider area? Oh, it's absolutely vital. It's absolutely vital. I mean, it's a, it's an iconic structure for Sheffield. You know, it overlooks the whole of the city centre. There, there are many places you can avoid it. And, you know, I think people's attitude towards brutalism has, has, has changed over, I would say, the last 10 to 20 years. I went to university in, in Sheffield and, and I actually lived about five minutes away from Park Hill. So I was very familiar with Park Hill at the time. And, you know, it didn't have a very good reputation at the time for all the reasons we, we've already discussed. Um, so it's, it's wonderful now to be involved with its transformation. When I was offered the, the opportunity to work on, on Park Hill, it was an absolute no-brainer for me. And, um, you know, it, it was a very exciting kind of prospect to, to, to work on, on Park Hill. And um, I think... Attitudes towards brutalism then, 20 years ago, was very much like Marmite. You either loved it or you hated it. And I think attitudes have kind of changed to such a degree where more and more people now want to appreciate it and celebrate it. Um, And with it being Europe's largest listed building, it is absolutely vital that... um, we complete the regeneration of Park Hill and we leave a, you know, a really exciting lasting legacy for Park Hill for the people of Sheffield to enjoy. And, um, you know, Park Hill isn't just for the residents that live there. Um, it is also, we want it to become a, you know, a, a destination for visitors to, to enjoy, not just local people, but 
uh, more regional people as well that will travel to to, to visit Park Hill. It's such an important uh, iconic landmark uh, for Sheffield that um, you know it's vital that um, we carefully and sensitively transform it back to its uh, former glory. Brilliant. That's a that's an absolutely perfect note to, uh, to 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 round us off for our chat today, Greg. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, the best of luck with the uh, the final stages of the project. I can't wait to kind of see how it all unfolds. I do quite a bit of work up in Leeds, so it's regularly kind of like my sort of welcome home as I get to uh, Park Square is to is to see um, is to see that that building. So brilliant to kind of see the final stages of the project come together. Great to have you on the podcast. Thanks very much for your time. No, my pleasure, James. Thanks for having me. Well, we always say he is the most connected man in Sheffield, and we have more proof of it because uh, Unlimited's head of sales, Dan Lever, is here, and um, he has another guest with him this month. I do. It's getting to be a regular thing now, isn't it? I'm bringing all my friends along. It's nice. This month, I wanted to have a little chat with uh, Johnny Briggs, the founder of Sheffield Digital Festival. Um, So once again, this year, the festival now in its third year is taking place online. And it's obviously in a year where we're getting more and more accustomed to a lot of new technologies. And the digital festival is a really sort of really great thing to have in Sheffield. I think that's really important. So Johnny, do you want to tell me a little bit about why you do the festival, what you're looking to bring in and what people can look forward to this year? Yeah, I suppose kind of roll back maybe to the beginning three years ago. Um, the purpose of the festival was to supposed to give uh, the creatives and the digital industry in Sheffield a bit more of a collective voice. Let people outside know that outside the city know that we're kind of we're serious about what we do. But Sheffield has quite a unique mix, I think, of of sort of SMEs and independents that kind of collaborate and make great things together when when given the opportunity. But I don't really feel like internally looking from Sheffield outwards. I don't feel like we shout loud enough sometimes. And I think I think the festival's an opportunity for that to happen. And that you know the sponsors help make that happen. They give it a voice as well. And I think the us as the organisers kind of feel like it's not about what we want. It's about creating a platform so other people can start to talk about what they're doing. And ultimately, it's that blend of stuff that I think makes it interesting and makes us want to keep doing it the next year if you like it's it's um i think very much this year as well we've we've kind of with a little bit of extra support from the council we've managed to sort of segue it in a little bit or sort of align it a little bit more with the with the sheffield identity so it feels like it's got a, a bigger voice when it does go outside the city Brilliant. and i think well it's we're in a, in a year where a lot of things have felt difficult to sort of continue and um, not able to go ahead as planned, I suppose. The great thing about um, the digital festival is, well, your theme this year is remote control and people that have never touched technology before are getting much more familiar with it. How is that being sort of brought into the festival? How, how do you make sure people can access it? Because by a freak of recording, I suppose, we're recording this as the festival's about to start and it's going to be going out just after it's finished. Um, so I'm right in saying that a lot of the content is going to be still there and sort of available for everyone to view sort of at their leisure this time. Yes. So we always leave it down to the discretion of the individual event organisers as to whether they want to record and they're, they're comfortable with, with having a recording of the event after. But based on last year, we I think about half the events recorded, they're all available online now as part of the, sort of the archive of the festival, if you like. So... I think they maintain their relevance. They 
they capture the zeitgeist of the times. I think they're capturing a good documentary aspect of what, what everyone's been through the last 18 months. And I think the content is reflecting that. So I think it's really important that we capture some of it. And obviously it's, it's important that some stuff's going to be live and it, it will, it will pass into the ether and that's fine. But equally, I think it's nice to capture fragments of it so that it, it does tell a story in a, in a year or two's time, hopefully when we're, we've got a roof over our heads and we can do things indoors. I'm very much looking forward to being able to look back on this time and say that was then, this is now it's gone and it's, it's all back to normal. But I mean, so what are the events? I mean, is there anything on the calendar that you think unlimited readers should really sort of seek out and uh, try and find relevant for the, for the sort of business community of Sheffield? What, what do you think uh, people should really sort of keep their eye out for? One of the ones that jumped out to me was the Children's Media Conference. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff on there about how to, how to kind of maximise your content. Your content. It's uh, obviously at the moment kind of content king, isn't it? If if you haven't got a physical presence or you can't go and meet someone in public, then you, your content's got to shout a little bit louder for you. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff on there about advice for sort of smaller startups. Um, I know Chris Chris Diamond's kind of putting his his uh, geeky brecky online. So I think that's that's always been a regular thing at Tampa on Arundel Street up until the last year or so, but. I think it's nice that that's managed to carry on online and enabled by things like Zoom. So I think people are a little bit weary of being on screen. But I'm, I'm definitely also... missing Tampa breakfasts. I think that's absolutely, <laughs> absolutely right. I'm, I'm trying to get back down there for a rejuvenator. Um, oh, yes, yes. Our studio's above, above, the, uh, above the courtyard, so uh, we manage to get one every now and again if we, if we whistle loud enough and they're not too busy. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, think, I think a lot of people are clambering to get back but yeah there's just just interesting things like hydro creative sort of exploring cognitive bias and ux design it's like i don't know what i'm going to expect when i go to that but it the title's drawing me in and I, right. <laughs> well no we're good friends of hydra and they do some sort of great sort of detailed work on it so it's, it's it's really interesting to hear about those guys i mean i think small business advice is really an interesting one for um for unlimited readers because um, whenever we speak to businesses that have launched sort of during the pandemic, they have, they've really needed to sort of seek out and get that online technical presence really right. So that sounds like a really, really good event um, that you can seek out and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be online afterwards. Yeah, this wouldn't, you know, we we part Field and Sheffield Digital partner up to to make this happen. And I think it's, it's the Sheffield Digital community that embrace this, the ones that have the, the capacity. And we're very aware that this is, it's an, it's an event that demands extra time out of people's day to put something on. So we're, we're always really, really pleased that people make the time and find the time to do something extra. Um, but, but yeah, it, it wouldn't happen without that sense of community that already exists. This is about just giving them more presence, more let, letting the rest, rest of the world know that, that there is this kind of collective ambition to let people know what's going on in the city. Well, no, they are. They're a great set of people, the, uh, the digital community in Sheffield. And it is, I know, through Sheffield Digital themselves, they really do sort of team together in one of the most collaborative sort of aspects of business that I ever sort of uh, have the joy of working with. So, no, that's great news, mate. Thanks ever so much, Johnny. And um, James, back over to you, pal. I think there's been a real 
positive feel to the podcast this month. I hope you found it an enjoyable and upbeat listen. We're always open to your feedback and ideas for future episodes, so please do get in touch. The Unlimited podcast is presented and produced by me, James Marriott, for Sound Media. Find out more at wearesoundmedia.com. And it's hosted by Captivate.fm, the easiest way to create and distribute your podcast. If you'd like to find out more about creating a podcast for your business, please get in touch. James at unlimitedbusiness.com. That's James at unltdbusiness.com. Catch up with the current issue of the magazine, if you haven't already, at unlimitedbusiness.com. Take care and we'll see you next month.